For the past couple of years, we've talked all about perimenopause as the runway to menopause. This is the opportunity, and yes, I just called perimenopause an opportunity, for us to acclimatize our bodies and brains for what comes next. But imagine not having that lead time. Imagine being told you're going to skip it all together and head straight into menopause by the time you wake up tomorrow or the next day. The changes and symptoms related to menopause are confusing enough as our estrogen decreases. We struggle to figure out what is happening to our bodies, where did our glasses go, and why are we suddenly awake all night? However, we usually have about 10 years to figure it all out. Most women that go into post-surgical or post-treatment menopause, either related to cancer or hysterectomy or other invasive surgery, report feeling completely overwhelmed and completely undereducated or informed. This can lead to a lot of stress, adding to their existing health conditions. Speaking with me in this episode is Kim McDonald, Weather Network anchor, breast cancer, Canada spokesperson, wife, mom of two daughters, dog mom, like me, and a survivor. Kim shares her experience with me, focusing on how chemotherapy threw her into sudden menopause, which had a huge impact on her life. You'll hear both of our frustration over how this is rarely discussed and how there's no information or preparation given to women following this traumatic journey. In fact, few people even know that menopause is a side effect of breast cancer chemotherapy. You might recognize Kim and her kick-ass tattoo on billboards and all over social media. Such courage. I'm in awe of Kim, so please tune in and have a listen. Hi, Kim. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm I'm really excited that you and I were able to connect. I met you through um, a Breast Cancer Foundation event where you so bravely talked about your own journey. And it really made me want to connect with you because for the last couple of years, I really focused on perimenopause and menopause that women go through naturally. But you know, as we're learning more and more, there are women who are going into immediate menopause following like post-surgical treatments, um, cancer treatments, um, hysterectomies, etc. And what a jarring experience that must be. Yes, totally. So I, you know, I'm a spokesperson for Breast Cancer Canada, and I'm very open and honest about my whole cancer journey. And one of the you know, elements of that was the instant menopause. And it happened uh, almost immediately. So it happened because of chemotherapy, not because of surgery. I never had a hysterectomy or uh, ovaries removed, anything like that, but straight up chemotherapy. I had my first chemo treatment right after it. I got my last period ever and I was 48 years old and I hadn't really felt perimenopausal at all. I felt like everything was just going along normally, swimmingly. And I thought, what kind of special hell is chemotherapy and having your period at the same time? It was not (laughs) pleasant. It was hellish. But then that was it. That was my last one after my second chemotherapy, you know, a few weeks later, nothing and nothing ever again. And it went I went from, you know, zero to a hundred or a hundred to zero. I don't know how you would explain it, but uh, so I had menopause simultaneously with cancer treatment. That's, that is a special help. I can't imagine. So 
how long did it take you to realize that your period wasn't coming back? Did you realize it because you'd been tracking it and it was just gone? Or did your doctor say anything to you? Like, how, how were you prepared for this? Well, I brought it up with my oncologist and he said that I would be going into menopause and that that was a side effect of my treatment, but I didn't realize it. And so it was, you know, I didn't know that that was going to be the end. If I was younger, apparently if you are maybe in your thirties, you, it will come back after a time. Um, but because I was 48, it wasn't going to, I was too close to, I guess, real menopause that, um, yeah, that was, that was it. And so when your oncologist told you, did you, was this at the beginning of your treatment or did you notice something and went back and asked or how was that treated? Yeah, it was just after I, um, I believe if I can remember correctly, it was just after I had my first chemotherapy and had my period and mentioned how awful that combo was and then was told that I would be going into menopause. Wow. Wow. So just hearing that before you even experienced any of the symptoms related to it, just hearing that mm-hmm. alone, like, how did that make you feel? Mm, I, I was upset. I was dreading menopause when I was in my 40s. I wasn't even close to it, but I just had heard so many nightmarish stories that it was one of those things that I had really, you know, I was worried about in general. And so I didn't know that it was going to happen as it was. I thought I may have a few more years, you know, get into my 50s at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't the case. So, but at the time, you know, when you compare things, it felt less, it didn't feel like a big deal as much as I thought it would just because I had cancer, I had breast cancer. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know what? This is my number one focus. I'll deal with the menopause stuff later. So it, it was kind of funny. It was almost the lesser of two evils in the yeah. moment. But at the time when you were going through it, um, you didn't feel like you were perimenopausal at all, which is sort of that runway that we get before to sort of acclimatize us for menopause. Um, So now that you're talking about it, you know much more about it, but at the time, um, just being told you're in menopause, uh, you're going to go into immediate menopause and you're recovering from your surgery, your treatment, your medication, then those symptoms start happening. Didn't that confuse you? Did you know what the symptoms were? Did you think they were complications? Like, how did you manage that? Well, when I went into menopause immediately during chemo, I started to get hot flashes every hour, at least. They were almost nonstop. And uh, I'd never had a hot flash before, but boy, did I know what it was when it was happening. And (laughs) it was constant. And for me, it was just one of the many things that was going on with my body at the time, because after every chemo treatment, I felt like I had different symptoms. The thing that I I asked my doctor about was the the fact that I had brain fog and that I had heard so much about chemo fog. And he told me that they're not sure about chemo fog because it happens simultaneously with menopause. And so he said a lot of experts think that it's the menopause as well, or if not only, that is bringing on this brain fog. However, I can say it was probably a combination because in the middle of chemotherapy, I had the worst brain fog 
things were happening and I could not think. I remember an incident that brought me to tears and it probably will still, even though it doesn't sound like a big, it will not sound like a big deal to anybody but me, <laughs> I think. And I'm, I'm already getting choked up about it. So I started chemotherapy December 16th. So in middle of February, I was right in it by I was finished by the end of March. So in February, I wanted to send my daughter a Valentine's card. She lived in Ottawa. She was going to school in Ottawa. So I, I, I sent her a, a Valentine's card. And after I'd sent it, I realized, oh, no, I didn't put her apartment number on it. I'm like, how dumb. What was I thinking? She's never going to get it. Weeks later, the card is returned to us. <laughs> A neighbor on the street found my husband and said, I think this might be your address. I can't really tell. So my scribbling for the return address was almost incoherent. And I didn't even put my daughter's name on the card. So when I got it back, I saw that it was her address, but not her apartment, not even her name. At least I thought to put my address on the return. I was devastated devastated Aww. that this had happened because I'm like, who am I? I don't even, I don't even well, know myself anymore. Such a simple task, right? Like, right. That, that's scary. And I, I don't think, I don't think men can understand this because the brain fog is so scary for us. We wonder if we're ever going to get our faculties back. We worry that it's taking us down the road to like maybe Alzheimer's or dementia, but just those simple things like, I can't imagine. I have an 11 year old daughter, but like I forget the nouns right now. I want to yell at her and I can't remember the word for something. Yes. And, and it, it's funny, but not funny. Like it's so that's just little things around here. You're in the, the middle of chemo. You're going through treatment and you have to deal with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not a little thing. I think that's a big thing because I think it's the little things that happen to us that make the experience a little more frightening for right. us. And especially if you, you know, I consider myself pretty quick witted. Uh, I have a pretty decent vocabulary. I'm on television. So, and I was in radio and I am not scripted 99% of the time I have to ad lib. So losing words is not okay. Thankfully, I've got some backup words back there, but they're never as good as the one that I'm trying to think of in the moment. And honestly, when I started listening to your podcast too, I thought, oh my gosh, it it was one of those, it's not just me. When you really do think you're losing your marbles. Yeah. (laughs) I remember um, when I went into perimenopause, my parents basically had an intervention with me. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? But I guess... I had been like forgetting things. I was irritable, like things were definitely changing, but I found it really disturbing. To be honest, I found it really unsettling to know that I was changing. Mm-hmm. So you, so you went through something that, you know, should be such like a private personal experience. And yet your career is in the public eye. Can you talk a little bit about how not just the chemo treatment, not just your diagnosis and how you had to emotionally cope with that, but then to also deal with menopause in, again, the public eye, also a really ageist industry that we're in. So like, how was that for you? Yeah, that was tough. I was really 
public about my diagnosis and everything that I was going through. I was very honest about it. I was very optimistic and positive, but I wasn't sugarcoating, if that makes sense. So, you know, I I was hopeful that everything was going to work out, but I was also honest about what I was feeling uh, on a day-to-day basis and what what it was truly like. And it's brutal because, first of all, breast cancer takes away so much of what we consider our feminine traits. You know, we lose our hair, we lose our eyelashes and our eyebrows, we lose our breasts if we have a a mastectomy, which I did, double mastectomy. So there's all of this going on. Then you're in menopause at the same time. And so now my skin is changing and I'm starting to age and I look in the mirror and I see the difference uh, dramatically. Things changed so quickly uh, from that, from that time, from, you know, before uh, cancer, like I see pictures of myself before and then after. So we've got cancer treatment, which is obviously um, it would, it worked very well for me. Thank goodness. It's also very hard on your body for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. And then to throw in menopause on top of it, uh, yeah, it, I mean, my job, at least at my workplace, they were 100% supportive of me. Yes. So that was, I mean, I was so grateful for that, how how well they backed me, how they supported me, how I could take my time to come back to work, how they supported me when I came back to work, uh, how the my viewers supported me. There was, you know, I even though I was going through all of this internally, outwardly, everything seemed to be okay. I mean, so far, so good with my job. But yes, it is very ageist. And you worry, I worry, I am 54 now. And so I think, wow, you know, time's a ticking. Yeah, I know. I know. But when you went back to work, um, so now you have menopause. And I know just from friends who've gone through treatment, you know, the not necessarily the brain fog in the same capacity as you had it while you're going through chemo, but the brain fog from menopause. I mean, I still have it. I'm five years, maybe six years in I've lost track. Um, (laughs) so I don't feel like it's getting better for me. So like you said earlier, you're on camera and you're not scripted. Do you, have you got it back now or like, how do they support you at work to help you in, in your career? Like that's, what you do is so different than what most of us do. Yes, I think that I mostly cover it up. I think that um, I don't talk about it. Honestly, I work with just a handful of people. Um, and I will publicly say I'm having a hot flash. And I will say, you know, I've lost a word. Can we do that again? Thankfully, it, most of it's taped. But we do do live broadcasting in active weather. Um, but I think I'm mostly just trying to hide it, to be honest, to not make it a big deal so that people do not see me as a liability. And I will 100% rely on the years of experience that I have right now. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going on. Learning new things is more difficult for me now, I find, and it's a changing environment and I have to learn things all the time, technically, and it just takes longer and it's just tougher. So Mm -hmm. I'm after, you know, almost 30 years of experience. I think that's what I have to fall back on now because I do lose words and it's very frustrating. And 
I think me being frustrated and upset about it doesn't help me any. So I just just try to accept it. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard. Because when you start to stress about something, you're going to lose your words anyway. (laughs) That's right. That's right have a propensity to lose your words and then you add like anxiety to that. I yes. bet you um, when you're out in like maybe a snowstorm, the difference is now you want to take your coat off. And you're like, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I, this is, I was always cold. And this is what, this is what really shocked me. And you've probably lived through this too. I'll put a very heavy coat on going to work and get in the car. It's <laughs> freezing in the car. I have to commute halfway to work I'm in a parka all zipped up with my seatbelt on and I'm having a hot flash and I the first time it happened I was like oh no this is terrible so now I'm putting on the air conditioning in January I'm wearing you know the heaviest coat you could find I'm opening windows the whole thing yes if I it's not ice covered I'm opening the windows um and I'm like why why do we have to deal with this this is terrible there it's very <laughs> cruel it's very cruel it is very um, cruel women don't have it easy no we don't and then summer comes and i just think oh i don't think i can handle another humid summer like it's it's humid in me all the time so i as much as i hate winter i look forward to the cold i like it when the house is cold like i just i just want to be cold again i want to wear like a cashmere sweater I haven't yes. worn one in years. Like, no, look at, I mean, I'm wearing a sleeveless, yeah. light sleeveless top under here. Everything is about layers, right? Some kind of tank top and then something over top. Because <laughs> at any, Although I have the hot flashes far less than I used to. I might have a couple a day versus one every hour. So that's good. But that is good. That's I'm great. Gone completely. I don't think that they've figured out the science entirely behind hot flashes. Um, I think there's some theories, but you know, that would be for me, like the first symptom to go, if we could just get rid of one symptom, the hot flashes, the sweating, like just the, oh, and how it, um, it makes you lose your focus and your concentration as well. And I always feel a little bit nauseous right before I have a hot flash oh. and every single time. And I, for the longest time I was like, oh no, I'm sick. <laughs> uh, I think, oh, have I eaten enough today or something that goes through my mind first. And then the hot flash comes and I think, why do I trick myself every time? But every time there's this moment of nausea and then and then the hot flash. So really? like, okay. yeah. I've never is this had, new for you? I haven't had the nausea. No. Like when, you, have you heard about it or no? Maybe no, I haven't actually way. heard anyone say that. I wonder if people just don't put two and two together. Mm, maybe. Right? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big fan of red wine. I know that that brings on my hot flashes at night and I love my coffee and my tea. And I know that that's a contributor and I love spicy food, but I'm not giving them up for my hot flashes. <laughs> I know I I've heard coffee and red wine and I said, well, what's the point of living? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is going to happen. There's got to be a way through it because they haven't given us a magic pill yet. Um, what would you say now looking back on your, your journey, like what were some ways you think that like the healthcare system or your doctors or just any sort of um, healthcare providers could have supported you better or provided more information to you at the beginning so you might have been more prepared? Well, considering I got really zero 
uh, support <laughs> for menopause. We can we're, we have a very low bar here. <laughs> I would have liked someone to say that the menopause aspect of this, especially since it's sudden menopause, is a big deal and will cause a lot of changes to my body and brain, and that I should seek maybe some professional help elsewhere. I don't know that the oncologist can personally help me, but someone could maybe, and uh, and to know that I'm not crazy and these other things are not part of necessarily my treatment, but are a separate issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a little surprised that, you know, like there's menopause clinics in hospitals, there's menopause practitioners out there, there's menopause doulas, and yet we're not being driven to them. We're not being guided no. to them. In fact, until I started this podcast, I didn't even know that they existed. So why as much as I don't expect my doctor or your oncologist to have the answers for you, I feel like there should be some preparedness, like, because yes. I can only imagine from the symptoms I've had, um, and I'm sure you can back me up on this, but not knowing, just hearing that you're in menopause is one thing. You just sort of think that your period's gone, you can't have babies, but think about like, you know, joint pain or brain fog or headaches or like obviously the hot flashes, nausea, hair loss. There's so many things that happen, uh, jaw pain, you know, our, our dental care changes through menopause. If you don't know those symptoms, you would actually possibly think that something was going wrong with maybe the medication you're on or something post-surgery, and it would scare the hell out of you. And sleeplessness was a big one too. Wow. And I thought that was a hundred percent because of cancer. I thought I never have had trouble sleeping before. Not yeah. like this. I mean, the occasional time, but not like every night. And I a hundred percent contributed it to some PTSD from what I had gone through. Um, my mind buzzing as soon as I could close my eyes at night, you know, when I wasn't doing anything else, but thinking, and I went on, you know, some pills to help me sleep and antidepressants and all of the, I mean, I'm off everything now, thankfully, and got my sleep back and everything is working fine. But, you know, now from what I've heard, that is a total side effect of menopause as well. So yeah. it's again, one of these things where there's a lot of cross pollination between the two things that I was going through simultaneously. And it was hard to distinguish which was which. Yeah. And also, you know, like the treatment that you would, you had gone through, from what I understand is very drying and menopause is very drying. I mean, women suffer terribly from like vaginal dryness, brittle nails, like just telling you that alone that you need to extra hydrate or there's gotta be some way, you know, like dry mouth or whatever, which again, cross pollinates as well. It could be the treatment, it could be menopause. So yeah. you really risk causing some damage to yourself if you don't know what's happening and you're not taking care of it. You know, if you're just crossing it off or like putting it off down to like, this is from the treatment, you might miss out on an opportunity to like treat it and make it better for yourself, knowing that if you had known it was a menopausal symptom. Right. Yes. I could have gone in a different direction. I, um, I heard your podcast talking about painful sex. That was something that happened to me yeah. after all of this as well. It wasn't before cancer or menopause, yeah. but certainly was a problem afterward. And I brought it up with my oncologist. He, uh, he's wonderful. I had two oncologists, one retired, and then I got a new one who is um, much younger. And I said, you know, is there 
something you can do? Is there something that you can help me with this? I don't. And then he looked at me super surprised. And I said, have you never heard of this before? (laughs) And he said, oh, I have, but nobody has ever talked to me about it. So he recommended me to a gynecologist, but it was funny because no patient had ever said anything to him, probably thinking, well, what's he going to do about it? Or maybe these two things are not related or he's my oncologist and he probably doesn't care about this. And this is uh, long after treatment has been, you know, has ended. So uh, that's what surprised me. I, I shocked him by telling him and by him saying that I was the only person who'd ever said anything to him was shocking to me. That's shocking. But again, I feel like women don't, um, we don't know what questions to ask. We don't even know what's really what the symptoms are. There's 39 of them. I mean, I think sometimes after treatment like that, women might just feel like, well, that's probably from the chemo. But really, that's such a common symptom. And the danger, you probably heard me say in that podcast is, if you don't treat that, that's when women end up with like, um, vaginal atrophy, which that's really hard to come back from. Like I've I heard that <laughs> from that. you. Yeah. Oh like terrifying. Yeah, it is. And it's expensive and it's not covered. So, you know, and, and the other thing is in Canada now, our pap smears are every three years. So if you have a low libido because you're going through menopause and you're not even looking after yourself, self-pleasure, and you just, you put sex you know, on the back burner, and then you go in three years later, like that is so much potential time for damage to form. So I just, I feel like there needs to be way more education around that. And that should be Mm. something that, you know, they talk to women about as they go through treatment, like this can happen. But I like, like, I'm happy that he directed you to a gynecologist. Yeah. Um, You know, and there's other resources too, obviously, but Wow, I I am shocked that I'm shocked that we're here and women still aren't talking about it. I know it's and listening to that your podcast, it's getting out so much good information where women will talk amongst themselves. I'll talk to my friends about this kind of thing and they'll talk to me, but it seems it's not at all in the public forum. So yeah, good good on you. Well, thank you. I know that, you know, I think that you sharing your experience has helped so many women. Um, Just, I mean, your breast cancer experience alone, but even now talking about um, how your sudden diagnosis and your sudden, you know, journey into menopause, how that impacted you emotionally and physically. I think, I think women need to hear that because, you know, a lot of women are going through treatments like this and they need to understand that there is post-treatment, post-surgery recovery, and then there is menopause. And menopause isn't just something you blow off. Like it really is something that women have to start looking into options and treatments for. I have a friend who was just diagnosed, um, caught it early, really early, which is great. Um, But she's 10 years younger than I am. And she has to get her ovaries removed because she carries the BRCA gene. And uh, she's got two small daughters. And she says, I'm going to be going into menopause and I can't have any HRT because I'm, you know, my hormone receptors are positive. So ERP are positive and uh, she's in her early forties. And I, 
you know, <laughs> I wanted to offer her some good advice, only that she'll get through it. But it's not it's not easy. And I feel terrible, especially these, you know, young, youngish women who are going in almost 10 years early kind of thing. And with no help with HRT. I mean, they can't, there's nothing. I mean, yeah. there's not nothing. I'm sure there are things that can be helpful. There are natural but... HRTs and bioidenticals that she can look into. But I mean, I just, those take a long time to work yeah. and she's going to go into it immediately. Like, as you know, and that's, that's just a whole different ball game. Like I, you know, as much as I hated perimenopause and didn't know what it was, I look back on it and think, well, it slowly prepared me for where I am now. If I just jumped off the ledge and I was in menopause, I don't know emotionally if I could have handled that because I got all the worst symptoms. So, you know, I feel for women when they're going to go through that. I hope that, um, you know, you're able to obviously guide her and help her with some resources or when to ask questions. But I hope she asks questions and push yes. it. This well, is she definitely... texted me. So she at least were on that page where she's already asked me about, about menopause. And yeah, yeah. I mean, this is an area that women still have to really advocate for, for their own health. Like I've had to push back, like past my doctor quite a few times and it's not her fault, but I knew something wasn't right. And I knew just from talking to like fabulous experts on the podcast that there are other answers and you know she's she's great she acts like triage for me now she you want to go see a cardiologist here's a referral you want to go to the menopause clinic here is a referral and it's great i feel more comfortable now so that's good i i i'm just happy to know that there's a menopause clinic <laughs> yeah they're great they're at mount sinai in toronto and i'm sure that there are other places but there are menopause practitioners um, some of them are at pharmacies, but they don't just give pharmacological um, solutions. They will sit down and talk to you. And um, if you've had cancer or anything, they would talk about different treatment plans for you that aren't pharmacological, that may be um, homeopathic, might be natural, could be creams. But they're they're just so good in understanding and looking at your full um, case and making great recommendations for you. And it's just Nice to know the support is there. Yes, it's you know it's great to know. I heard one of your pharmacists speaking, and she was wonderful, and gave me all kinds of ideas. And so, I, and then I go and spread the the word and send the link to the <laughs> friends who I know who are having trouble sleeping, etc., whatever it is that that's going on yeah. with them. You know, when I was I went into a support group early on when I was going through breast cancer treatment, and I was still in the middle of chemo when I went to the support group. A lot of the women had finished all their treatments and were experiencing some PTSD. So they were having, so they came back to talk about what they were going through because you can go to the support group within two years of being treated for breast cancer. Anyway, this woman was going on about the night uh, sweats and every time it went around to her, this is what she was talking about. And at the moment I thought, Oh my gosh, is it, who cares about that? You know, I was thinking <laughs> that's not a big deal. Like this, you know, it's some, I'm in the middle of chemotherapy. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then I became far more sympathetic to her cause, you know, a few years later when I was, that's all I was dealing with. I didn't have night sweats, but I, I have hot flashes at night where I'm ripping off all the, the blankets. Yeah. Um, but I, then I understood once she had finished treatment and, and was fully feeling the menopausal symptoms, this is what was consuming her. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't get it in the moment, but I certainly got it later. 
Well, that's your sleep right there. If you're that's having right. night sweats, like um, I know early on in this journey, um, someone was telling me that it's a great idea, although we just shouldn't have to deal with it. But she would put one of those like moisture wicking protection sheets on her mattress and then put a fitted sheet on and then put another like um, um, protective sheet on and then another um, fitted sheet so that if she soaked through the first sheet, um, she could just take it off and not have to remake the whole bed in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, Smart. Oh my God, have we come to this? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And so now yeah. I've, you know, I've worked with um, Cool Your Sweats, uh, Kathy Rush. She was just on breakfast television talking about the technology. She's um, come up with this fabric that helps wick away the heat during the night and then redistribute it. Um, so you don't get a cold sweat after. So it's a pajama and it's fabulous. I use that. And then um, even Lusom, a brand, a Canadian brand, they're also looking into like, they're doing these great night shirts for women that help keep you cool. Like uh, it's great to see that outside of supplements and creams, like there are people thinking about us out there. Yes. Women, obviously, but they get it. Our sleep is the first thing to go. Yep. I can fall asleep and no problem. And then all of a sudden I'll get a hot flash in the middle of the night and I'm awake. <laughs> so I, yeah. And I, when I get into bed, I'm cold uh, this time of year anyway, and I have a little heated mattress, so I'll turn it on. And if I forget to turn that off, boy, am oh. I in trouble in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> so yes. And it's hard to explain to our partners what this feels like or what it, you know, yeah. what we're going through. It's, it's oh, difficult. Yeah. Sometimes it does, I, it's not enough to say you're hot. Like it's, I don't know. No, it's, I, I don't think that like when you say to someone you're hot and they've only ever experienced heat, like a hot room, a hot bath, a hot day, they don't understand what hot feels like coming in from the inside. Right. Right. Like it's volcanic. And in the UK, um, I don't know if I told you this before, they, there's a femtech company over there that created this hot flash, um, um, simulator suit and they put, I think the mayor in London, they put him in the suit and he couldn't even last 30 seconds, but it simulates a hot flash. And he's like, wow. Whoa, get me out of here. She's like, nope, three more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the ones that simulate contractions on men. That's always fun to watch. <laughs> I wish I had that one when he was being born. Let's both do it. Yeah. Hot flash and a contraction at the same time because you do get them when you're pregnant. Oh, goodness. Uh, I can't thank you enough for talking to me about this today. Um, this is a really, really important part of the menopause journey that, like I said, we haven't really covered. And it really in the last year has hit me how critical it is to, to support women who are not going into menopause at the time they think they're going to go into it. And, and they're not even slowly easing into it. Like, I just, I feel like that experience is so traumatic. So, and I love that you share your journey with women all the time through, you know, like your role and the stories that you've told, the honesty and, and <laughs> being open about it. I think that's a really great role model for women because the only way we're going to get answers is if we talk about this. Well, so, thank you. I agree. <laughs> I think yeah. we should all be talking about things. And I get such a response to talking honestly about my cancer and what I went through and now menopause that 
I never feel like it's a big deal for me to talk about it. But when I get the response that I do, I realize that it is because if people don't talk about it, things don't get done and problems don't get solved. Exactly. Exactly. And we shouldn't have to keep it in. It's not our, it's a natural part of what our bodies go through. So, you know, the more that we can support each other, the better. So Kim, thank you so much. This has been, this has been an eye opener. I know my own journey, but hearing it from you, I just, yeah, it's, it's a really different perspective and I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And I love what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's great for women. Mm -hmm.